So my wife, uh, Vicki, and I are getting our house ready to sell it so that we can move to a different house. We're kind of entering a phase of our lives, soon to be empty nesters, and so we're looking to change things, maybe downsize a bit. And our current home, it's only the second home we've ever owned and lived in, and so we have a lot of stuff. And uh, we've lived there for over 20 years, and again, we have so much stuff. Our children grew up there, and we've accumulated stuff upon stuff upon top of stuff. And now let me say this again, because I think you probably heard me say we have some stuff, when in fact we have a lot of stuff. We have a lot of stuff. It is not a joke. Like, and if you've ever prepared to move recently, you probably know the pain that we're going through right now. Why do we have so much stuff? No, seriously, why do we have so much stuff? I've been asking my wife that and other people that, how do we accumulate so much stuff? I'm pretty sure there's stuff we moved into our attic 20 years ago when we moved into the house that has not yet been touched by human hands over those 20 years. It's still there. And I'm pretty sure that I could admit to you today that we are not going to display in our home my childhood soccer trophies, okay? So I can let them go. As a matter of fact, I, Tim Perkins, do solemnly swear before you of sound mind and body today that I will not move that box of trophies and ribbons and fourth grade math homework to the next home we go into. There you go. If you come over and for some reason I have displayed on my refrigerator my fourth grade math homework, you can shame me. I give you permission to do so. Why do we have so much stuff? We all do, right? We accumulate more stuff every day. And I think that we live in a culture that, well, and encourages us to be consumers of stuff. Allison Stewart, a former reporter and news anchor, she spent three years investigating America's obsession with stuff. And she wrote this book, and man, there are good titles to book, but this is a great one, Junk, Digging Through America's Love Affair with Stuff. She explains in this book that Well, junk is really big business. Uh, For example, the self-storage industry, it has an association. You may not know it has its own lobbying group. Why? Because in 2020, it generated $48 billion in revenue. United States is home to some 60,000 self-storage units. Shockingly, I was surprised in my research to find 30,000 of those are here in Columbus. So, who knew? We tend to naturally consume, right? And and if we aren't intentional about not doing so, if we don't purge that stuff on occasion, when we accumulate, it can really just become a literal mess, can it? Well, our stuff, it points to this tendency that we all kind of have to be consumers, to consume. And at the Ridge, we have this value where we're called to be contributors and not consumers. It, It sounds like this. We're contributors and not consumers because we are all called to love others with all that we are. We will give all that we've got for the world. We believe that we are called to something bigger than ourselves. And that something drives us, it compels us, it motivates us to be contributors in a world and not just consumers of stuff. And you may have heard us say that around here from time to time. It's really at the heart of why 
we are doing things like the 10K challenge, this year of service that you heard Adam talk about. And you guys are crushing that. I can't believe 9,000. It's so amazing. But we're doing this for our friends, our neighbors, and our community, serving them outside the walls of the church. Well, today, we're going to take this deeper dive into this value and our series called Why Church? Within this series, we've been answering this question, why church? Why does it matter? What is it for? And we're talking about this in groups and with others throughout the week. And if you haven't gotten to be a part of a group during this series or, or joined a group, that's okay. We actually have an open group that meets on Tuesday nights at 6.30 right here. You can come whenever you want to that. It's a great way to get to know people and connect a little bit more through this series. So this week's answer to why church is because we are called to something greater than ourselves. This is our calling, to to live for something greater than ourselves. And and church, being here, being connected to others and studying the teachings of God, that helps us understand and grow in that calling. See, if we're primarily a consumer, by the way, these arrows don't mean he has a headache. This is consuming, okay? This this is what this means. You're going to see arrows, so get used to this. Consumer right? If we're called, I mean, if we are primarily this consumer, how do we move towards being a contributor? Were you surprised the arrows we're going to point out here? You get that? So we're tracking with the arrows here. You see, we're all somewhere in this journey between being a consumer and being a contributor. And if we aren't intentional, if we don't make plans to consciously take a step towards being the contributor, the kind of person who focuses outward, well then we'll continually be sucked back into living our lives more and more in this consumer lifestyle. So what's a consumer look like, right? And it may seem a little bit obvious, and I'm going to do something here, and this is purely to entertain myself. A contributor is one who contributes, Pretty sure seventh grade Tim gave that answer in seventh grade on an English test somewhere about what a consumer is. Thought I was being smart, 100%. I'd probably do it. Well, I just did it again today. One who consumes is, or one who consumes is a consumer, right? And at the center of this, maybe there's a little bit more. Maybe I could say it this way. A consumer focuses on what I want. That's what a consumer does, right? Now, that might be obvious, Right? It might be obvious, maybe even what's wrong with that, the center of this, the I part of that. It's me. And of course, in the setting of church, we probably can agree to that, right? We don't all go out and intentionally live a life to be a selfish person. It's just not what people strive for. But have you ever noticed nobody really thinks of themselves as this? Nobody calls themselves selfish. Or if they do, they lean into it. They say things, and I have heard myself say these things. They say things like me time or I deserve it. And at the center of that is me and I. And if you've said those two, I'm sure we really don't consider ourselves inherently selfish. Like I said, nobody really does. But this this idea of I want, I want me, me, me. I want that new Dodge Ram TRX that can do zero to 60 in five seconds. 
I want the biggest, highest resolution TV that money can buy. I want the new Apple Watch. Give me just a second to hide this. Sometimes when you write things, they hit a little closer to home than you expect them to. By the way, if you have a TRX, I am available if it stopped raining for rides after the service. I want to feel zero to 60 in five seconds. But it's not always that simple, right? To change the primary motivation of our lives and to, and to see that this I want, yeah, we get it, but maybe if I change it, maybe if I change it to I need. Oh, I need. Yeah, because we have needs. That feels a little bit better, right? I mean, there are legitimate needs in our lives that are justifiable. Food and shelter. So yeah, we've got needs. But the reality really is that it isn't always just a basic need that we call a need. Sometimes it's this, I, I think I need. Oh, yeah, I think I need. That's probably more like it. I, I think I need a lot of stuff. I can probably make your head spin just how fast I can justify my need for transportation and to said transportation being a Dodge Ram TRX. And it sounds a little something like this, if you're ready. So my current truck, it's getting old. It's got high miles. I have it in the shop at least twice a year. Pretty sure the transmission's about to go out in it. And I can't really trust it to go out of town that often. And so I need something that won't cost me as much in repair bills. And honestly, if I were to buy a five-year-old truck, as much as they hold their value, and if I use my brother-in-law's Chrysler employee discount, I could buy a new one. It's going to cost me about the same as buying that old one. And since I'm buying a new one anyway, well, I might as well tell you I'm going to get what I need, right? And besides... It's smarter to get something that uh, maybe has a higher value to it. And so let's add some creature comforts to it because I'm going to be in it a lot. And that also will jack up the value and hold its resale value. So welcome home, TRX. So when we get that thing, right, it feels great. It's exactly what we wanted. It fills the void. But in time, something happens. Well, that all kind of fades. And eventually it just becomes stuff. Stuff you're trying to sell on Facebook so you can make room for more stuff. <sighs> Exhibit A. Yep, that's my post. That's my kayak. And uh, I rarely post on Facebook, but when I do, it's to sell a kayak that's now just stuff that I own. And don't get me wrong, I still love it. I remember how pumped I was when I got it. and I'd accessorize it and do other things with it, modifications. And it's still a great time, but it doesn't really hold quite the same importance that it did when I bought it. I bet you have something like this, don't you? That thing that just seemed like the thing that you had to have or that maybe you needed uh, or said you needed or you thought you needed. And it just doesn't bring the same value to your life that it does that it did then. Oh, and by the way, this is still for sale. You can text kayak to 812 for no, don't, don't do that. It's not a long journey to convince ourselves that something we want is really something we need or miraculously something we think we need. And if you haven't been around church much in your life, let me tell you something here. People in church were no different. A consumer mindset, it sets in easy here too. Often it's rooted in really good intentions and sometimes it sounds like this. These things I know I've said. You know, I wish, I wish we would sing that song more. I, I think 
we really need this event for this reason. And why didn't someone reach out to me when I was going through that thing? Or, you know, my needs aren't being met spiritually. And on the surface, those might not be that bad. I mean, many of them really are rooted in a desire to connect with God more or or other people. However, when all of those statements have, maybe you heard it, I, me, my in them, we got to be careful, myself included, because it's very easy to drift into a consumer mindset, even here in church, even with very good things. You can start to pull your focus from the I and the, and the me and the my and take your first steps away from a, a life of being a consumer by focusing on others, by removing me. Philippians 2 says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You know, this, this doesn't really sound like everything our world is telling us we should do, does it? I mean, we're surrounded with ads telling us why we need or deserve or helping us justify why we should have something. And it's hard to focus on others when our surroundings are asking us and inviting us to focus on ourselves. Now, I'm not condemning companies for doing that and selling products. I bought a lot of them. But I'm just acknowledging here that when I'm presented with so many opportunities to consider my wants, it's more challenging than to focus on somebody else's needs. Thinking of others means that we're to focus our attention away from the I, me, my. That's humility. And it's a central theme throughout the Bible. It's one of the ways that we can experience a calling in this life, really, that's, that's greater than ourselves, that's something more. It's not the way the world tells us to live our lives. It's the way that Jesus lived his life as this countercultural figure when he was on earth. He lived his life with a calling, And if we move from being a consumer, I, me, my, to being a contributor, thinking more of others, but we don't understand that we're called to something bigger than ourselves, well, sometimes it falls a little short. It leaves us a little unfulfilled. When we fully understand that we're made for something bigger, that life has greater meaning, Well, something changes. Even good things in our lives, they can lose their joy without a deeper understanding or a calling or or a meaning to do it, right? Take, for example, your job. If you love your job, if I love my job because of the money, but I don't love the job and I don't love the work I do and I don't love the people that I do or some combination of those, if I don't have one of those in there, well, it isn't long before I'm looking for another job, is it? There must be deeper meaning, a deeper calling. It really is what sustains us. Putting others above ourselves solely and contributing, well, that's really good. I mean, it is good. But there's something, though, that can make it great. You see, if we are primarily a consumer, moving towards being a contributor, that's good. If we're a contributor, though, who truly connecting with something greater than themselves, 
Well, our purpose then, our understanding, our calling becomes clear. And that can be great. I believe there's something special that happens when we do this. When we understand our calling, something above us, something bigger, something from God, it realigns our perspective on all of this, right? Everything we do can be evaluated through this perspective. When we consume, it becomes different. We consider needs. We think about true needs in that. When we contribute, we do it for right reasons. We do it for a bigger calling. Let's look at Matthew where it says this. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the first and greatest commandment. Well, why church? Because being a part of church, it puts us face to face on a regular basis with the belief that we have a purpose as a creation made in the image of God to love others and to love God. Let me say that again. We're made in the image of God to be loved by God and serve others. That's our purpose. And that's our calling. Because church points us to that purpose. And it gives us a way to live it out. A way to love God and to love others. That's exactly what the 10K challenge has done for me. Right? It's reminded me throughout this time to live as a contributor and not as a consumer to see the needs of others. You heard Adam talk about last weekend being that day of service, right, that we did. Do you know over 225 people participated in that? That they were living as contributors, living out their calling in life? You see, when, when we align what we believe and what we know to be true and we respond to our calling in accordance with God's will to our life, amazing things can happen. 225 people in a weekend can do something to make a difference in people's lives. And it changes lives, not just the lives of the people you serve. It changes your life, the person serving. You see, serving others is loving others. And loving others is being a contributor. Fulfillment comes when we recognize that being a contributor and not a consumer, it fills our soul. It helps us complete the purpose. It's at the very core of how we were created and who we were created to be. The emptying of ourselves, the giving away, the arrows out, right? To empty ourselves out and to be refilled in the church. That's what church does. It puts you in direct response to that over and over. Emptying yourself out, refilling yourself, emptying yourself out for God. Church aligns who we were created to be with the needs of others. It's at the epicenter of that cycle. So why church? Well, because it points to this intrinsic value that we have as a creation. To be loved and to share love. And if you don't know this calling, I mean, if you aren't there yet, that's okay. This is a place where you can ask questions, right? And maybe, maybe your question is something like this. Why does it impact my heart, though, when I consider helping others and when I help others, but I don't believe in God? How can that still be true? Well, it's because you are living out what you were created to be, 
a calling and a purpose, with a calling and a purpose. And, and whether we know it or not, whether we're doing it for the calling or not, it reaches deep into our being. And it connects us with a part of ourselves that God put there when we were created. Last year, I was on a mission trip. You may have heard me talk about that before. It was with a man um, in our group. There was a man in our group there who identified as an atheist, someone that doesn't believe in the existence of God. And although he did believe, though, that loving others and serving others was his responsibility as a contributing member of society. And he loved others well, and he served them well with his time and with his money. So much so, and he believed in that so much, that a few months after we were there, he was planning to lead a group, an extended group of his extended family and friends, back to the same location with this Christian organization to serve people. I mean, why would someone do something like that if they don't believe in God? Well, because he was created to live with a deeper purpose. His service, it reached deep down into his soul and it touched a part of who he was created to be. Even though he doesn't yet believe in God. And honestly, I, I, I don't know if he ever will. It does, however, strike at the very core of his purpose for being created. And it's knocking on the calling of his heart. And maybe that's you. Maybe you know that when you serve others, it does something in your life. I would love to talk to you more about that, about what that is, how God loves you no matter what, without condition. And you can reach out in the chat if you're watching online. You reach out to us this week. You can come down after the service up front and we can talk about that, about that calling on your heart to be a contributor. So what's the why and the what behind being a contributor? Well, let's go back to Matthew again. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. That's love God. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second, equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the basic underlying narrative of the New Testament. Love God, love others. First and second greatest commandment. But notice this. It says equally important here. Pause on that for a second. Because I've gone past that in my life a lot of times. Because I see one and I see two. And I see one, love God. Two, love others. That's how numbers work. That's how it makes sense, right? But this says they're equally important. Loving God and loving others. If... If loving others is equally important as loving God, it's pretty important, right? And we're called to that as believers. I mean, Jesus said that right here. And if you're a follower of Jesus's, then this love others, well, that's an act of obedience because he tells us to do it. Now, you might be thinking this love others as yourself part is going to be hard for you. Maybe because, well, you don't love yourself very well. So how can you love others? I think that's a fair question. I get it. You're not alone. Many of us have challenges ourselves in, in seeing the masterpiece that God has created when he looks at us. He sees the masterpiece. And as a masterpiece, though, with imperfections and flaws, but still 
a masterpiece. A vast majority of people, though, we default to prioritizing ourselves above others. And, and Jesus knew that. He, he knows our human nature. I mean, that's why he can say this, because we were created by God, and he's the expert on his creation. What he is saying here is to prioritize the needs of others as much as we do our own needs. So let's go back again to Philippians. It says again, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. The contributor lives their lives with a focus on others' needs. And that's easier said than done sometimes, right? I mean, I can say it, but why is it easier? Well, because we're imperfect. People are imperfect. They're messy. They're hypocritical. They cheat. They lie. They backstab. They're selfish. And I bet people have thought that about me sometimes. And maybe, maybe you're thinking, yeah, but other people, they're going to eventually let me down. If you feel like this, let me assure you something. And it's completely unsatisfying. Yep. It'll happen. It'll happen again. People aren't perfect. They're sinful and they will let you down. We all, if left unchecked, we're going to drift back towards the I, me, my, towards the consumer focus. It's our nature. We all fall short. We all fall short of this perfection. And we all do, but it's by God's grace and through Jesus' sacrifice and through forgiveness that we're made right. When we're contributors, we see ourselves for who we are, imperfect, but forgiven, made right in the sight of God, and because of that, willing to live our lives in a way that helps point other people to God by serving them, by living as contributors. The contributor says, how can I help? What can I do to put others' needs above my own? Can I give my time? Where is God using me? Where can I join him in the work that he's doing? Is it my time and my talents? Is it financially, the skills that he's giving me? The challenge in our lives is to live with that mindset of others first, just as Jesus did. And yes, your neighbor, your literal neighbor can be that person. That can also be your coworker. It can be your neighborhood. It can be your community. We're to love those neighbors as ourselves. Got it? So in groups this week, you're going to be talking about ways to do that, exploring how you can put into action actually being a contributor. And these aren't new things. It's not something new. Maybe it's the 10K challenge. Maybe it's the serve fair in one of those 600 roles that we have here. And you can serve in those ways so that you can help other people experience what you've experienced in that way. Maybe it's financially. Maybe you're going to be a first-time giver, a regular giver, or something that, again, helps support the ministries here in the way that we, we point people towards Jesus. Maybe that's it. It's not really rocket surgery, right? We all can be challenged to take another step towards being more of a contributor. Sometimes it's closer in reach than we think. If you're looking to Jesus as that example, as the motivation for being a contributor— under a calling greater than ourselves, there's always a next step. 
This is something that Jesus knew, something that he always kept at the forefront of everything he did when he was here on earth. He knew his why. He knew his calling, the big picture, the purpose, the calling to live for something bigger than ourselves, and he did it every day. Our why matters because sometimes it's like a compass. It's like pointing us north, pointing us the right direction. And it helps us when we get off track, when we start to drift back into the consumer lifestyle. That why, that calling, that compass can help right the ship a little bit. And that really is our calling, our why, to love others and our neighbor and be a contributor and not a consumer. Well, what's that look like for you? What's God prompting you toward today? What's the single step that you can take toward being a contributor? The question is simply this. How am I going to be a contributor today? If you ask yourself that question every day, well, I believe that God's going to provide an answer for you. He'll show you the way to join him in his work and making a difference in the lives of others and how you can start to contribute. Remember our value. We are contributors and not consumers because God has called us to live others, love others with all we are. So we will give all that we've got for this world. Let's pray. God, thank you for, for loving us, for challenging us to live our lives with a bigger meaning, with a bigger purpose for understanding that calling to love you and to love others. And God, if there's somebody here today who, who is connected with contributing and it makes a difference in their lives, but they don't yet know you and they've got some questions about that and about the parts about how they were created to be and, and that God loves them perfectly right where they are. I pray that you would move in their hearts to just reach out to somebody, to talk to somebody about what that is, to ask those questions. I pray that you continue to motivate us as a church to live that way as contributors and not consumers. It's your name I pray. Amen.